Welcome to Healthy Perspectives Podcast with Jeremiah, where we provide clinical perspectives on current social and cultural issues. And don't forget, you can subscribe at Podbean, Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe at any or all of them. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Getter, Twitter, and many other social media sites. Or you can email us at healthy perspectives with an S at protonmail.com. You could also check us out on our website at www.healthy-perspectives.com. So it's a dash in between the healthy perspectives. Make sure you put an S at the end. Dr. Fauci resigns. And today... We're going to talk about trust. There is a lot of commotion going on in the social media world right now around Dr. Fauci. Many want to trust. Many don't want to trust. And there's a lot of dialogue and and commotion. From a relational standpoint, what we are going to do is we're going to break down trust. We're going to use Dr. Fauci just as an example, uh, not saying that this is the best example or the worst example. It is simply an example. Break down whether we should or shouldn't trust somebody. Now, remember, again, relationships are just filled with fraught. Like there's going to be challenges in any relationship that you ever have. So this is not a judgment on Dr. Fauci. This is simply a way of looking at a person and their, uh, their approach to life that says, how much can I trust? In what areas can I trust? And so on and so on. So let's start down the pathway with trust is the building block of all relationships. I think that's a pretty reasonable uh, stance to take. If we don't trust somebody, then that relationship will only be so much in our world. If we trust somebody, then they have the opportunity to hurt us really bad. That's the way relationships work. That doesn't mean they're going to hurt us really bad. It simply means they can. Trust as defined, when I look up definitions, there's a bunch of different definitions. They're all relatively similar. They tend to include a few categories. It says a firm belief in reliability, truth, ability, and strength of a person. Okay. Or, or a system, let's, let's be real. If we're going to take a look at this from social cultural perspectives at times, that's one way to do it. Now, I'm, I'm specifically talking about the, the way it works in the psyche, the individual, but it does work in systems similarly. So reliability, truth, ability, and strength. Those are the components that they break it down into. This is... Uh, very simplistic as a definition. So I thought it would be great to go through some of the social science content that we have, the, the, the psychological science content, the components or the building blocks of trust. Let's start with veracity. That is an openness and a transparency, truthfulness, right? If somebody doesn't give us truth, and I'm not talking about, you know, the, the opinions section of the newspaper. Opinions are opinions. We all have opinions. 
I'm talking about objectively factual information. If people don't give us objectively factual information, then trust goes down, not up. If they give us objectively factual information, then trust goes up, not down. Okay, pretty simple. I mean, that, that seems, you know, relatively no-brainer, right? Fidelity, faithfulness. A person who believes in us doesn't mean that we always get it right, but they believe in us enough to stand by our side while we learn, grow, and get better. Faithfulness, fidelity. All right, that seems reasonable. I'm going to make mistakes. I need somebody who's going to see through my mistakes to the person that I am as opposed to the behaviors that I do. Now, that, that works as long as I'm not an evil person, right? I mean, we're, we shouldn't be faithful to somebody who's just straight up evil. And I'm not suggesting that Dr. Fauci is evil at all. But faithfulness. Okay, also pretty reasonable. Congruent. That means they say and do similar things. I once had a coach who chewed tobacco and told the team, don't chew tobacco. That's incongruent. Now, was he an evil, horrible, bad guy? No, he was a great guy. He had a flaw that he couldn't uh, overcome. And he taught us the right thing in spite of his inability to do the right thing. Now, that creates a seed of doubt, though, because when we are incongruent, not congruent, our mouth and our behaviors don't line up, that creates some instability, some unbelievability. It's like, yeah, you say that, but, and we doubt, all right? It's the seed of doubt, but congruence, even like, okay, if a person says, I chew, I don't think it's a good idea, but I have an addiction. Now, all of a sudden, they're congruent. They didn't change their behaviors. Now, there is a level of potential excuse making, and we don't want to uh, forego that completely because it does come back to uh, veracity, right? Objectively, truth, right? We want to have objective truth. Well, a person who says, I have an addiction, and they're constantly fighting it, and then they win, and then they lose, and then they win, and then they lose— I, that person I can work with no problem in the sense of building trust because they do fight it. They just win and lose, which is a normal addiction process, right? But a person who doesn't fight the fight, that's a different story. Okay. Empathy and love. This is another component. Look, empathy which is the, the clinical term for love, an attempt to see the world as if I'm the other person and caring primarily about their view, not about our own. It doesn't mean we take on their view. It means we attempt to understand their view. It's a failing proposition, but we get all kinds of credit. Love is absolutely at the core of every relationship. And there's obviously different kinds of love. Another component accountability. Accountability is absolutely one of those pieces that once objective truth enters, owning mistakes and failures of the past becomes critical in building a relationship. It's a building block. 
Does it mean that we have to get it all correct? No, but it does mean when we don't, we own it. We have to own it. That's a first step in making sure that trust doesn't get damaged by our failures. Okay. And that is both personal and other centric, meaning we don't let others be unaccountable in our close circles because we know they're going to trust us and I'm going to trust them. And so we say, Hey buddy, like that thing you did the other day, yeah, not cool. Right. We, we have to be willing to not only hold ourselves accountable, but the people around us that we love. That doesn't mean we have to be mean about it. We don't have to be cruel. We don't have to be belligerent. We don't have to say you're an idiot and go to name calling. That's not going to help, but we do need to hold them accountable. The ends do not justify the means. If you, there's a, yeah, you probably heard me say this in another podcast. You don't use an ax to remove a fly from your friend's forehead, right? We don't say you're an idiot. That's not appropriate. That's an ax to remove a fly from their forehead, right? What we would say is, you know, you got a fly on your forehead, you might want to take that off. And so they wipe their head, the fly goes away, and all is good. Another key building block is communication. Communication, and this one's going to connect to the very last one that I'm going to give you as well. But communication, there has to be a standard mode of communication. It doesn't mean we all have to communicate exactly the same every single time. But if the message we receive from a person is not what they sent. In other words, they had a different interpretation when they sent it than we did when we received it. You're going to end up with flaws and broken trust, right? It's, it's going to be the old, I sent the letter a and you received the letter B. Well, at some point we have to get on the same page so that the communication can build the trust. It means when I send an A, you receive an A. When you send an A, I receive an A. And we get rid of the noise that's in between. It doesn't mean we have to agree. Communication isn't all about agreement. Matter of fact, oftentimes communication is specifically about disagreement. It's how do we disagree in a way that's effective and relationally appropriate, which does lead to boundaries. I have my own boundaries of comfort and discomfort, right? I can push the limits of discomfort pretty far before I become overly emotional. And I say overly emotional because we're all emotional. Being emotional is not the problem. Communicating well becomes the problem when we're overly emotional. So, Knowing our own boundaries and respecting the boundaries of others that are reasonable. Now, I threw in that that are reasonable. That's a really hard one because when somebody sets a boundary that is unreasonable, then the question becomes, how do we get over that obstacle? One, we would probably start by respecting the boundary as much as possible and discussing the boundary more. But I'm not going to digress too far into that. It does come down to oftentimes roles. What is my role? Because if somebody sets what seems like an unreasonable boundary, then my response may be to protect or distance myself from that person for a while 
until maybe the day or the opportunity comes that they come back and say, you know, I've grown up a little bit and I would like to talk to you again about some of this stuff. Great. Let's have that conversation. But let's first set the boundary. Okay. Boundaries are tough, but we can do that in a different time. So I'm not going to go too far into that. I just wanted to tell you it's a building block for trust. If you don't have boundaries, it doesn't mean you trust more. It actually means you get enmeshed and the trust eventually will be shattered almost every time. So we, we started with Dr. Fauci resigns. Now I want to break this down a little bit. I'm going to take these trust building blocks and I'm going to go through them one at a time with Dr. Fauci and his publicly spoken words. I am not talking about what he says privately because I don't have private conversations with the guy. Dr. Fauci may be a fine human being. I don't know him. What I am going to do is break down his public words a little bit, and I'm really only going to break down one category because there's one that, that interferes with many of these things. Again, I'm not saying trust or don't trust him. What I'm saying is I'm teaching you a way, if you're open to it, and I hope that you are if you're still listening, a way in which you can look at the building blocks of trust and ask yourself appropriate questions. Do they have veracity, fidelity? Are they, and faithfulness is a funny one because sometimes it, it can mean, you know, they're faithful to a group of people, which we're going to get into here in a minute, but that doesn't mean they're faithful to me or to us or to you. All right. So let's break it down one at a time. I'm going to break down each of these categories with some things that Dr. Fauci has said publicly in the past. Veracity. If we're looking at truthfulness, then the question is, did he tell the truth as he knew it at each step of the way? From the beginning, Dr. Fauci said, follow the science, follow the science, follow the science. So staying with that theme, the question becomes, Did he do what he said he was going to do? Did he tell the truth about following the science? And in all reality, whether you like it or don't like it, whether you trust him or don't trust him, he said, follow the science and he didn't always follow the science. That is objectively a truth. Does that mean he's a terrible guy? No, but he didn't do what he said he was going to do. That means that is not truth. Now, some of you out there are going to be like, what do you mean he didn't follow the science? The science kept changing throughout and da, 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 da. Uh, Look, I'll give you one example, one, just one for today. And you can do your own research. I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm, that's not my role. I am here to help you see how to think in a way that allows you to assess your relationships in a healthier way today. That's what I'm going to do. So when he says, follow the science, let's talk about the space of six feet. Simply put, that was never the science. The science never pointed to six feet. That social spacing of six feet was something that was stated by Dr. Fauci, the CDC and others including other scientists, but it was stated because of people 
not science. It was stated more like, uh, you know, a suggestion. Because the science points to a, a typical cough. We know this. We've known the germ science for years. And are we getting better at it? Of course. But the germ science alone, the idea of passing germs through the air, right? When we breathe and whatnot, you know, a cough, 12 plus feet, a sneeze, 20 plus feet. The science, look, the science is clear and it has been long before COVID. So why we changed the science, I don't know. Maybe there was some reasonable things in the background that said people won't follow 12 feet or 20 feet, but they might follow six feet and that's better than nothing. Great. Then say, we're going to follow the science and include some social science pieces that say we have to do what's reasonable and effective for people, but it's not following the science. So at the end of the day, there's, there is a, a, a falsity to the follow the science. Next one, fidelity. Who is Dr. Fauci faithful to? Is he faithful to all of the people, a group of people, or who is he faithful to? It is very easy to argue that he is a public servant and he has been faithful to all of the people for a very long time. Okay, I see that argument. There is also the argument that he ended up being faithful to a, an administrative group. That's an argument that does stand on some firm ground at times. A perfect example is that six-foot argument. That's not following the science, and it shows a faithfulness not necessarily to all the people, but to an administration who's like, we can't do that because maybe it's to all the people. I don't know. So that one up in the air. But there's understand, I'm walking you through the process. All right, next one. Congruence. It's not about perfection. It's about congruence. Was he congruent? Well, sometimes... Uh, but then at other times he became incongruent. Uh, another example of that would be uh, how much he worked with the administrative to push agendas through social media, through the CDC. That is showing an incongruence, much like the six foot, 12 foot, 20 foot. It shows some incongruence. So that makes him slightly less believable at times. In other words, those seeds of doubt have been planted. Okay, so we go on to the next one. Empathy and love. I don't, I don't have a debate on this one in, in one way or the other. Do I think he, he felt bad for the people of the United States? Absolutely. At times, I think he did. You know, he seems like, from a distance at least, he seems like he's a guy who has a heart. You know, he doesn't seem like he wants to be ruthless and, and you know, mean. And then at times, he got into some dialogue with people who, you know, were showing some science. And he would say that it didn't show the science. And it was more of an emotional reaction. Well, he's human. I give him some grace on that, of course. 
But that's that's allowing emotion to dictate whether he decides he cares about a person or not. And at times publicly, he he didn't necessarily do the best presentation. Okay, I, I'm not going to hold him, you know, to the fire on that one because you know on a on a basis of trust. I mean, people have emotions. Okay, so I move on. Personal other accountability, the idea of being accountable and having moral structures. He said over and over, follow the science, follow the science, follow the science. But he didn't stick to it. He gave way and didn't necessarily explain it very well why he was not following the science. So I guess it does beg the question, where do his moral structures stand? And is he holding himself and others accountable to it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I can tell that from his public interactions. Maybe on a personal front, if I knew the guy, I might, might, I might be more apt to, uh, you know, aside, side with him and say, hey, you know, like he was doing the best he could under the circumstances. But it's hard to tell. Communication. Was his communication effective? Uh, no. Many, many times, no. It, was he a good communicator? Yeah, absolutely. But did he speak in a way that was able to reach the people consistently over and over? No, because there were too many contradictions in, in what he would say. Uh, you know, he was swaying with the uh, administrative winds at times instead of holding the line of science, which is fine if he's a politician, but he didn't claim to be a politician. He claimed to be a public servant and a public servant has to do right by the people and not sway in the wind based on, you know, what's going to be popular or unpopular. And then there were other times where I absolutely watched him stand in the face of what he knew would be unpopular. I don't know why that inconsistency was there, but in terms of communication, you know, there, there was times where he was very stern and direct and, and then there were other times where he was too swaying and that, that change of communication creates some challenge in understanding. I'm not saying he was right or wrong. Again, I'm saying the way he communicated at times created some of those issues. Well, guess what? We all have communication breakdowns. So Again, I don't hold too much against him there. And as a public servant, as somebody who is there to serve us, I wish that the communication had been a little bit better. In some situations, maybe even quite a bit better. Boundaries and roles. All right, the last one. Let's break it down. Was he setting appropriate boundaries with the people around him? I think at times probably did all right. I mean, in, in all reality, the position he was in was a tough position. I'm giving some grace there. And then at other times, I think he definitely got caught up in the political debates, you know, talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the things around the science as opposed to the science, which is what he professed is probably his single greatest, uh, you know, hey, we got to follow science. We got to follow science. We got to follow science. You know, and that was probably the most typical quote that I heard from him over the last couple of years. So when I take a look at all of that, would I say he's a bad guy? No. Would I say he's a trustworthy guy? 
Well, when it comes to his role as a public servant, I think it's questionable at times. Do I hate him for, for his failures? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, he's in a tough position. He was in during a very tough political time. Is, is he interacting with politicians routinely? Yes. Is it easy to overlap and think for a while that you're a politician when you're interacting in those circles? I would assume, yeah, probably. Probably there's going to be moments where you, you, you definitely fall into that, well, I got to do this politically. Yes and no. I mean, you don't want to you know, commit, commit uh, uh, career suicide, right? But if he was a public servant, at the end of the day, did he stay focused on serving the people? I think at times he swayed into serving the politicians. Now, the politicians, by definition, really should serve the people, but they don't always. So if he had kept a a laser beam focus on serving the people, I think he could have probably done a little bit better. So when we take a look at that, in summary, I just got to say, when we go to build trust, it is hard work. Every failure can come back to haunt us and we will fail. We will fail. Dr. Fauci is a great example for us to look at when we break down trust, not because he got it all right or all wrong, but because he did what we all do. He got a mix of it. Some of it right, some of it wrong. At the end of the day, he's going to be judged by people. He's going to be judged by his, his own moral structures. He's going to do it. He's going to be doing the judging and others are going to do it. That's just the way it's going to be. As for me, I'm not going to judge the guy's worth based on what I saw in the public arena. He is a much more complex person than what we saw standing in front of a stage or in, a, in front of a microphone. And so to judge him as a whole being because of that, I think would be doing him an injustice. That being said, does he have some areas of growth that he should pay attention to? Yeah, I think so. Because then he can build better trust. And being in a position that he was in, I think that there were some areas that, that really could have probably been honed long before this situation came up and he could have served better. Does that mean he failed? In some ways, yeah. And in other ways, probably not. So again, I tell you, trust is a tough one. I hope you're looking at your life and the lives around you a little bit differently right now. These categories are not designed to be all-inclusive, but they're definitely core elements of what it takes to build trust. And doing that self-assessment is far more important than doing the other assessment. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day.